On the podcast today, we are going to dissect chapter 21 of the Tao Te Ching, which is the 21st episode of the 81 Meditations of the Tao Te Ching. And as usual, Guyang will read Jia Fu Feng and Jane English's translation, and I will read Derek Lin's translation. The greatest virtue is to follow Tao and Tao alone. The Tao is elusive and intangible. Oh, it is intangible and elusive, and yet within its image. Oh, it is elusive and intangible, and yet within its form. Oh, it is dim and dark, and yet within its essence. This essence is very real, and therein lies faith. From the very beginning until now, its name has never been forgotten. Thus I perceive creation. How do I know the ways of creation? Because of this. The appearance of great virtue follows only the Tao. The Tao as a thing seems indistinct, seems unclear. So unclear, so indistinct, within it there is image. So indistinct, so unclear, within it there is substance. So deep, so profound, within it there is essence. Its essence is supremely real, within it there is faith. From ancient times to the present, its name never departs. To observe the source of all things, how do I know the nature of the source? With this. In this chapter, Lao Tzu is trying to explain to us that even though the Tao is mysterious, as he explains in the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching, we can somewhat know, know it through yes. our experience. We can know it and we can feel it. And as the first two lines suggest, we can especially know this with virtue, yes. by harmonizing with the power of Tao. Mm. And that's why we have the word de and the Tao Te Ching, right? It's, right? it's translated as virtue or power. Mm. Yeah, the greatest virtue is to follow Tao and Tao alone. That actually, that first line sums up what this book is about. The book or scripture of the greatest virtue from following the Tao, mm. basically, yep. right? And the virtue here is, again, is not about the ethical or moral concept or duty kind of meaning it's more so again ability power or grace that you gain from following the Tao the way yeah that's right and in doing that to get attain that virtue of the non-virtuous is to let go and to trust as mm. it says in the chapter we need to actually with the Tao being the Tao is the most real thing in the world more real than existence itself because we sense it and we feel it. Yes. And so we, in some sense, have to have faith. They use faith and Derek uses faith in the translation, which trust is a better word, possibly. Mm. We need to trust the Tao. We need to follow the way. And that's actually how virtue is attained. And often in these podcasts, I use the river analogy to explain that, where when we're fighting the river or when we're holding onto the banks, like when we're fighting the current or we're holding onto the banks of the river, then we suffer and we get worn out and then yes. we get dragged away down the river. The skill is to not fight the current, to let go of the banks and to allow the river's power to become your power. That's what the is. Yes. That's the power of the Tao. That's the virtue of the non-virtuous. Yes. But that can only be attained in letting go and trusting where the river is mm. going to go. It's guidance and, you know, the nature of 
the contours of the the land and where the river will take you. Yes. And that's actually how we attain that real power, that real virtue. As you said, not a moral virtue as in relation to, say, Confucianism in Lao Tzu's time. He's talking about this, attaining this virtue that's almost indescribable, but only those who let go of fighting life actually come into harmony with this virtue. Yes, that uh, current of river itself could be just the the way, the Tao, Mm. right? Mm. Just the movement of Tao. And skill, I like that word actually, skill or ability to let go of your... Um, will to fight against the current, but to f- uh, go with the current, the letting go, the letting go that y- your own will, that you can be one with the current. That itself is that the ability, mm. the power and skill, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And that's why Lao Tzu is saying in this chapter that we can know the Tao, but we have to let go and trust the Tao in mm. our life. And that's a big theme within all of the Tao Te Ching is, is that trust. Uh, and, you know, he goes into it, it, a very vague explanation. Like if you don't know a lot about Taoism, then you'd read this chapter and think, well, it says here it seems indistinct, seems unclear. But then Lao Tzu's kind of explained that we can sort of know it. We can know its substance, its essence. Yes. Uh, even... It's within within there's an image. Yes. Like, you know, looking into reality, there's yes. an image of Tao. That's right. Yeah, elusive and intangible and almost somewhat unknowable in a sense, but mm. there is definitely something. Yeah. And again, it's not a opposite concept of uh, existence, so non-existent. It's not about that. It's just uh, non. It's not ordinary. Thing. It's not ordinary being. It, it, it is beyond the ordinary physical world. Mm. That kind of uh, concept. It's almost like the yeah the substratum of all existence. That's that the Tao is where everything comes from. Yeah, mm. and that's why in the chapter like the Tao is mysterious and it's not easy to grasp, right? Because it's in some sense it's a mental concept or an idea. Mm rather than like a physical object you know we can understand this cup here Mm. simple to understand its function its use what it's made of entirely easily to understand the Tao is not well defined but Lao Tzu saying we can understand some of it just not all of it that's that's the thing we can understand it through our experience so this whole idea of that the Tao is beyond human comprehension that you hear a lot of new ages and sometimes the non-dual police who are always on the internet policing everyone <laughs> telling them that they shouldn't speak about things like this uh, is, is a new age phantom because in some sense the Tao is beyond human comprehension but that's not entirely true is what Lao Tzu is saying because you can understand some of it through your experience mm. and you can get a greater understanding of what it is when you begin to uh, follow the way as opposed to fighting it, yes. then you don't. Then it's really beyond human comprehension. Because mm-hmm. if you say Tao to someone who's constantly striving in their life and fighting for for survival and whatever it is their vocation is or whatever, it's hard for them to understand what the Tao is because they have not let go mm-hmm. and allowed life to just run its natural course. 
and this is a big theme in Eastern philosophy, right? Rama Maharshi would always talk about, you know, what will be will be. You just have to allow life to sort of happen, and it and it has a it has a way, it has a path yes. for you. But the opposite spectrum of the world, as as what you were alluding to, it's not like it's not non it's not non-existence versus existence itself. It's more so that the Tao, what what it's what the Tao Te Ching is saying is that we get caught up in this artificial world that we create in our mind with striving and and these moral virtues, etc. And that's how we forget the Tao, as, as we spoke about in the last yes. two three chapters about yes. forgetting the Tao. And in this in this chapter, it mentions about you can actually. Uh, see it within the image of the world its substance and its essence yes and you can actually feel it mm. but it's it's about coming back to a sense of nature like because nature itself arises in some sense from nothing and that's what's really hard for a lot of people to understand yeah because i think that again the maya the apparent world is too real for a lot of people and that eclipses their vision from being able to see the, what's unknown, the, the way of nature, there, yeah. right? Yeah, so here again mentions that, uh, oh, it is intangible and elusive and yet within is an image. Mm. So it's unknowable, you can't touch it. And elusive, it's very vague, but there is an image. So it's like a creation of image is within the Tao. Mm. The Tao itself is almost like an imageless image. Yeah, it's an image of something. Yeah. yeah, so the image of the world, of the physical world itself, is within the Tao, but Tao itself is imageless. Yes, yeah. yes. So your very being is an is a imprint of the Tao. Yeah. Because it's natural. It's just how you came from nothingness. So did your parents. So did the trees. Yeah. Came from nothingness. And so we could say, as you said, the Tao itself is imageless, it's nameless, mm -hmm. but we are an expression of the imageless and the nameless, yes. which is really remarkable and what Lao Tzu is trying to point out. And actually in this chapter, when, when Lao Tzu says within it there is image, we can extend that a little bit to see that there is a, when we look into nature, there is a pattern, there is a li in the world. Yeah. And that pattern is found within our body, within the grain of wood. It's found within our psychology, yes. which adapts us to different things better. So for you, it might be music. For me, it might be teaching philosophy. These things that we can come into harmony with when we let go and, mm. and allow the doubt to run its course, there is a pattern in the world. And so this is, in some sense, part of the... the image of the Tao in the world mm. is this Li. Mm. So you can sense that, uh, especially when you look into nature. And, you know, a lot of us know the Fibonacci sequence. Yes. So there is a mathematical sequence in nature, right? Mm. So a lot of people think about this, the circle of life pattern. Yeah. And so the circle of life pattern is related to the Fibonacci sequence. And we see this sequence in nature and this actually goes back into ancient times because 
Rishi Pingala from 600 BCE in India was had formulated the Fibonacci sequence before Fibonacci. The, before Leonardo Fibonacci in the 13th century. And there's a whole lineage actually in India. And the most famous is probably the Jain monk Acharya Hemchandra who who lived 50 years who came up with the who formulated the sequence 50 years before uh, Fibonacci, but mm-hmm. he is part of the lineage of Rishi Pingala. Right. And so when we go back into the ancient times, they, they understood that there was kind of this pattern in the world mm. that is allowing the world to thrive. And somehow you can come into harmony with that pattern. And that's when the de happens, when you come into harmony with that pattern. And see, sorry, the li is the way that we come into harmony with that pattern is finding that li within ourselves, in our mm. psychology. That's just a, like a, in, incomprehensible for all of us that that long ago they already uh, formulated the uh, number system yep. to represent the uh, order of nature. Yes. That's something really amazing. So originally like 650 BCE we were talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very, very long time long ago. Long time ago. Mm. Well, if you think about it, how strange it is, like there was a long period of time outside of India, outside of everywhere else, didn't have the concept of zero. Yeah. It's difficult for us to understand now because zero is zero to mm. us. Like, But zero only existed and was only discovered in India. Yeah. For a long period of time, and then then other places began. I, I don't know through export or, or whatnot, but it was discovered elsewhere. Mm. And so, uh, these sort of mathematical systems and formulations, a lot of them do come from India, and then are spread to the West and China and and, and Africa and else and elsewhere. And I think uh, this concept of zero and uh, even to come up with the, the such as um, Fibonacci sequence before Fibonacci, many, many hundred years ago, hmm. many, many years ago, hmm. before Fibonacci, they already had that the number system is purely coming from the deep observance of nature, I think. The reason why the Western world didn't have the concept of zero is because I think they, they didn't have a such concept of nothingness. Like so, they didn't understand. Uh, I mean, they didn't. They couldn't come up with the concept of zero because they have. They had no idea of concept of nothing or void. Nothingness is itself. So that's why they couldn't come up with the concept zero. Whereas in, in ancient India, uh, all they're talking about is contemplation within themselves, Atman, mm. Brahman, yeah. right? Mm. Just uh, staring at the universe, mm. just fast space, that all emptiness, right? So that concept was already within their mind. Mm. Um, but for that to be transferred into number system, they come up with kind of a zero. It's just a circle with nothing in it, mm. basically. Mm. Yeah, so it does come from the deep observation of um, the nature. Yeah. Mm. And in China, they had the same similar system going back as, as, mm. as far as India as well. Like if we look in the Tao Te Ching, 
there's a classic phrase, Dao begot one, one begot two, three begot the 10,000 things. Yes. And so that's a process within Taoist metaphysics of nothingness into manifestation. Yes. And that's a big part of this chapter is mm. how, do, uh, how does organic life come from an inorganic setting? Yes. And if we, live, if we look at Taoist metaphysics, uh, which I speak about in my new book out next year, is that Uchi is, you could say, is the original essence of the universe. And Uchi is Tao and stillness. So you would relate this to voidness or emptiness, emptiness shunyata mm -hmm. or Brahman. Uh, so an indescribable emptiness or nothingness that everything originates from. Uh, so, but this is, there's, a, there's an essence in it mm. and, and that essence becomes Tai Chi, which is Tao in motion. And then Tai Chi is the origin of Yin Yang. And so yin yang creates right. the 10,000 things. Yes. And that's why we have mm. male, female, light, dark, you know, the, the, the duality of existence, but is encased actually in the, the oneness of Tao mm. for those with the eyes to see. And so that's why in meditation, actually, you, what you're doing is you're reversing the motion of Tai Chi back into Uchi, mm. back into stillness. So... Because we are somewhat an expression of the Big Bang, to use scientific terminology, our minds are continually going further and further and further out from the source. Yes. And they can speed up and we can make complex patterns and as we do with technology and everything else. But the real work for us as a human is to try and reverse that pattern. It doesn't mean you go out, don't go out and do a job in that. But privately, you're trying to reverse that pattern to come back into Uchi, to come back into stillness. Because then you can really understand the Tao. You can understand the movement of the Tao. And that's why people do practice Tai Chi Chuan, right? Tai Chi Chuan is trying to harmonize with that uh, supreme ultimate movement of Tao, Tao in motion, to understand Uchi. Yes. To come back into that essence. Yeah, that's just amazing. Unfortunately, over the thousands of years, this Western world, this Western civilization and culture kind of took over the world, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. That's why when we think of science or physics or things like that, it, we first uh, think of Einstein or all these uh, uh, Western scientists and yep. physicists and whatnot. And that, based on that sort of concept, we think about science, right? Mm -hmm. But in Taoism and also Hinduism, there is uh, this uh, metaphysics that it originated from pure observation of uh, nature, mm. and which just makes perfect sense, like you mm. said, mm. about the stuff from one, there's two, and there's 10,000 things, right? This sort of analogy. And again, it comes up on this chapter as well, that it's talking about essence. Mm. The, and he says that this essence is very real and therein lies faith. Mm. And the essence is something uh, so, yeah, very real, something very important principle in Tao, and therein lies a faith. Here, it, faith is talking about 
the regularity order or law of uh, universe or nature. Yeah. And this uh, obviously uh, coincide with something that you were saying about a leader pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's com completely uh, reflecting the movement of nature, movement of universe. It makes perfect sense in scientific sense as well, in the physics sense. Yep, exactly. Mm. It's interesting because I was just thinking of the Chandogya Upanishad where there's the story of the seed yeah. and I, f I forget the nature of the story and I may, be, I may have the wrong Upanishad here but I think it's the Chandogya Upanishad and the son, I believe, was asking about yeah. how did it all come into existence and what's the nature of the seed and then inside the seed is complete nothingness. Mm -hmm. But in the nothingness... We have the Lee, we have the pattern. Yes. It all arises from that. It's kind of, in some sense, resolves the chicken and the egg argument. Mm. In some sense, you know, what's first the chicken or the egg? But if you understand the nature of nothingness and manifestation, yeah. and how everything arises from nothingness, mm. then you have your answer. Yeah. But I, as, as you were saying, like a lot of the West kind of control a narrative of scientific lingo and, and education so we lose touch of these metaphysical systems mm. that actually explained a lot of things three, four, five thousand years ago, maybe longer in some instances. It's a quite sad thing. I mean, I was born and raised in South Korea, but unfortunately it seems like education, as you mentioned, education and society in general so much upholding the Western way, really. And again, the education is all based on Western Westernization. And it, it's really difficult to find um, any anyone who were educated in this uh, ancient knowledge of the East, right? So it's quite a sad thing. I would actually say that a Western world monopolized the world in the culture, cultural way. But at the same time, the people who are and come from non-Western countries also supporting the Western way. Mm. That's, mm. that's, that's problem. another problem as well. And the irony is most of our audience is Western. Yes. So Westerners are actually thirsty for mm. ancient knowledge yes. because the current system and the current culture of the world doesn't seem to be natural and doesn't fit with mm. a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people have turned to Eastern spirituality, mysticism, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Why I started mm. studying it when I was younger as well. Like it, mm. Things in the Western world never sort of made sense to me particularly like when the only religion in the West primarily is Christianity. And for me, that is a philosophy that's out of sync with nature and out of sync with the way things are. Once then you start getting into Taoism and Hinduism or Buddhism and you start to explore the nature of the self and the nature of the universe, these sorts of things, from, and they're not dogmatic. Yes. And that's what's really refreshing. Like it's not, they're not asking you to, if you... To believe, because you know the idea in some of the Judah, uh, some of the Abrahamic faiths is that if you don't believe, then you, you're a sinner. There's the believers and the non-believers, right? And there's not any of this sort of dichotomy 
in Eastern philosophy. Yes. Yeah, it's much more inclusive and uh, it's much more like uh, nature-based um, philosophies. And again, the, this constant, constant the progress, progressed what the Western world continuously promoting, the constant progress, it just uh, doesn't seem right doesn't feel right and in the process of constant progress seem to have too much problems Mm, mm, mm. i think that is uh, why uh, a lot of people looking to eastern traditions and as you mentioned it is really refreshing because the study of um, nature and nature is a cyclical and we are studying the pattern of nature law of nature Mm. because again that is where that place is where we all come from. Yeah. Well, the nature of uh, constant progress comes from an unsteady mind, mm-hmm. comes from a mind that can't be still. And so it's not that we're not creating wonderful things with some elements of progress, but there's a lot of things that we lose in the process. And that's yeah. the point of these ancient traditions is mm-hmm. that though you can say, okay, these ancient traditions, they're, they're more traditional. But the thing is that the whole aspect of these traditions is to have a settled mind. It's not to follow your mind, your active mind, your young mind, all the way to a tenth degree where you create new things and then you've got this whole process of inevitable progress. You've got to find the yin-yang balance. You have to primarily remain in the yin, as Lao Tzu recommends, yes. as opposed to constantly following your active mind where then we create all of these things and it feels very unnatural. Mm. And that's what a lot of us are kind of intuitively sensing. So it doesn't feel right. It doesn't about, feel right. Yeah. All of this technology, all of this progress, all of these mind pathogens that develop because of that, it doesn't feel right because it's not right. It's not natural. Mm. And that's what a lot of us are starting to realize. And so you see this keen interest of people in the modern day for ancient teachings. And it's interesting in this chapter before we move on, where Lao Tzu uh, mentions the ancient way, he mentions the ancient teachings, and it's interesting because like, we often think that when he mentions like from ancient times to the present, that he's kind of speaking to us from where our, our perspective, but he's speaking from his perspective, uh. from ancient time to present when, when he is. So... Like what we were talking about before, how old these teachings can be. They can yes. go back 5,000 years. Who knows, yeah, who who knows, knows how long who ago. Who knows how long. Mm. So Lao Tzu, in a sense, according to him, he's including like Fu Shi, Huang Di, and the I Ching. So, and you can be getting back to 3,000 BCE here. You, I mean, if you go further and further, uh, depending on if you believe in mm. some of these people who existed within the history of China, you know, there's a lot of conjecture that Fushi may not have existed, and yes. you know, you got the Yellow Emperor, and but according to him, that's that's the ancient teaching. So, yes. so all the way from that, that time, there's been this lineage of understanding the Tao that everything arises from nothingness. But then he, Lao Tzu and Zhuangzi, formulated these scriptures. To, to allow other people to understand it in a deeper context. Because in some sense, if you don't understand the ins and outs of the I Ching, for example, it can be very complex if it hasn't been explained to you in a correct manner. Mm. 
because it's not just a book of divination, it's a book of wisdom as well. Yes. It's a book of understanding the processes of psychology and yes. nature. But if you haven't been taught correctly, then it can be just gobbledygook and, yes. and you don't understand the ins and outs. Well, we witnessed that a lot with the eating oracles. And yes. You just need to go and see in the, in the bookshop, you see a lot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like, the whole process, going back from way ancient times, was always about how does life come from non-life? Right. So, so it was always about the genesis of the world, mm. you know. So, and you find this everywhere for, through all religions, right? What's the genesis of the world? The Abrahamic religions will say God, you know, Taoism and Hinduism may have very similar beliefs about, through their metaphysics, you know, mm. from nothingness to... And, the, yes. the, and, and this is easily the best explanation you know everything comes from nothingness mm. comes from that ultimate absolute yes and some people may say yeah but brahman has substance and it's like yeah but in the, in the same context that Tao has substance as well mm. but it's encased in that nothingness it's encased in the yes the uchi mm. the motion of the world mm. the big bang so to speak comes from that like um the organic beings come from the inorganic being. Yeah, exactly. And that, like, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's hard to describe. Yeah, yeah. That inorganic, that the energy, the uchi resides in that yeah. space. The space, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it kind of explains the whole process of the universe, doesn't it? Like, if you look at that process, like, you have... Tai Chi arising from Uchi, and then you have Yin Yang, the ten thousand things. And then eventually, the ten thousand things and the Yin Yang dissolve back into Tai Chi, and Tai Chi dissolves back into mm. Uchi to be born again. Mm. So you've got this constant process. You know, in Hinduism, they will say the breath process of, of the, tri- the breath of Brahma, Brahma. The, the process of the Trimurti. So you've got the the Brahma, the creative principle of the universe. Vishnu, the preserving or sustaining principle of the universe, which we are in at the moment, according to them. And then Shiva is the destructive process of the universe. I mean, you can apply that actually to yourself in a spiritual context, but I'm talking about it in in the sense of the the nature of the universe itself, the the physical matter that Mm. we we dwell in. Mm. And so getting into the last parts of the chapter where... Lao Tzu says, how do I know the nature of the source? You know, because we've discussed there we need faith, we need we need to let go. Yes. Duh. Duh. Yeah. yeah. But so how do we know this? Mm-hmm. And the last line is very vague, and there's a lot of philosophical debates about this. Jafu Feng and Jen English say, because of this, and Derek says, with this. And so <laughs> there's, it's, it's a topic of debate is what do they mean by this yes. what's Lao Tzu mean by this yes Tao Te Ching himself is already uh, mystical enough and he made it even more mysterious yeah, 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 exactly. because of this Yeah, there's many different um, interpretation of this last line but I think commonly a lot of scholars had understood in a way that this as in direct seeing within ourselves in that uchi place, in the higher state of um, stillness mm. and the meditation, mm. right? And the inner experience as a mural of 
the universe. Yes. Yeah, mirror of the Uchi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, again, there's a, um, ancient hermetic saying that as above, so within. Mm. So one, uh, only one must learn how to look within. So because of this, that way, some scholars do understand that, that way, because of this. this. Yes. Mm. And if you know this, mm. then you know the source, is what Lao Tzu is saying. Yes. Which is, I mean, it sounds vague, right? Like, mm. because can you define this? And look, there's multiple meanings to that, mm. like, as you said. Mm. Uh, Derek Lin, he, he mentions, you know, you can, you can say like present moment mm. awareness, which, yes. is, which would be probably a, a description that most people would resonate with mm. because that's more of a spiritual context. And, and you can see that because, you know, Lao is describing in this chapter everything of, about what the Tao is and how we can actually n understand it and know it, not in its complete totality, but from our own sense of consciousness, we can understand it. And so once you get out of the mind running here and there and distractions consuming your life, yes. you come into harmony with this mm. and you're not in the game of past and future and you can feel that energy here mm. i mean we can all do that right now right if you just be quiet for a, a little bit it's here mm. you know for the mind that is not confused and riddled and polluted with too much noise you know the Tao. that's how you don't forget the Tao. you know the, the, the Previous, three previous chapters, Lao Tzu has explained to us why we forget the Tao and so forth and so yes, on. Yes, yes. But now he's telling us how we can know it. Mm. And it's through that present moment awareness, mm. not polluted by past and future, this and that, right and wrong, that you can sense the Tao. And that's how the Tao actually guides your life. Some people will say, oh, I feel like I'm blessed in life and this and that. And it's like mm. everyone's actually really blessed. Mm. The difference is, is some have a mind that's so polluted with noise and confusion that they don't come back into harmony with the river. They're constantly fighting the river and they're just completely tapped out in life. It's almost like a awareness of the presence of the Tao in this very moment, yep. that could be that this, with this, that this awareness, your awareness, you are aware of that Tao is here. Yes. And again, to be able to sense that you, your mind cannot be distracted. No. Your attention can't be scattered and go everywhere. Yeah. It has to be complete, completely at this present moment. Do you sense it? And everyone listening and watching, do you sense it? It's here. And Lao Tzu's mentioned in this, in this chapter, even when he talks about image, like if you look into nature, there's a real beauty in nature that's, you could say, indescribable. But then when you look into the depths of it, there's a pattern and... That should indicate to us, without reasoning, but intuitively, that we are part of something much greater than what we think. 
And as you, I like what you said before, like we are a mirror of the Tao. Mm. We're a mirror of existence. We're a human reflection of the Tao. Yes. And so the whole process of the universe, the whole process of the Tao moves actually through us. Yes. And it's in the fiber of our muscle. Mm. It's in the nerves in our, mm. our new, neuron, the neural network in our brain. Mm. It's in all of that. Mm. It's in our psychology. It's in our awareness. Yeah. And once you get out of the distortion of the, what the external world has on your internal world, then you start to really feel it and embrace it mm. and move with it as one. Mm. Yeah, the whole existence of this material world is a product of the manifestation of a Tao. Yes. Really. Yes. The, the your symbol, almost a symbol of the existence of Tao itself. Yeah. Mm. You're just a reflection of it. Yes. It's like looking at the moon in the in a in a lake. You're that's you. You're in, mm. you're the lake. You're the reflection of the moon, mm. and that's what we are. We are a reflection of the Tao. But we forget that, mm. as Lao Tzu pointed out in the previous chapters. Yes, we forget that because we live an unnatural life. Mm. We don't live as nature intended us to live, because mm. we are the most intelligent species on the planet. So we make up too many complex systems that riddle our intellect with problems and confusion that actually don't really exist, but we make these problems and we take them on as our own, Yes, which causes us a lot of mm. suffering. And so we can't realize the, the beauty. We can't witness the beauty mm. of life. Mm. Yeah, we are too clever to create all sorts of uh, dogmatic belief system and whatnot in the end. Um, we ourselves get brainwashed by it, yeah. and that creates a lot of um, like artificial perspective of the world in the end, um, and we yeah suffer from that yes. actually, yes. which is completely opposite from the way of nature. Yes. Mm. Well, what we are doing now with technology is we are creating an artificial world say with digital technology that doesn't really exist and we are going insane in the process mm. and, and from Lao perspective he's like of course <laughs> true like what did you expect yes because this is not natural mm. this is not the way you're creating a world that is completely unnatural it takes out mm. all sorts of elements of naturalness facial cues yes Abilities to listen, mm. empathize, have mm. compassion, all of these things are gone because all you have to do is create a certain avatar online and you can spew any sort of vile to anyone, whether you know them or not, and it contributes to an insane community or right. society. That's why, again, our culture and art is destroyed, destroyed. really. Yep. They don't exist anymore. No. Culture based on uh, social, uh, social uh, media platform and art that's based on, on all politicized ideology and yeah. concepts and things like that. It's all uh, things that shouldn't be intermingled, been intermingled, and, and they all kind of uh, spread it out through culture and art, which is, should be just, just a pure expression of nature and our human consciousness yes but that itself has been polluted by 
too many different ideas, and uh, that's why I, it's complete uh, dissolution of yeah, real culture and art, yep. fortunately. Yep. And Taoism itself is about reclaiming your health and sanity. Yes. That's the best way that I can explain what the Tao Te Ching and the Zhuangzi is about. It's about reclaiming your health and sanity. And they would say that too in their time. You know, and I and I would have to assume that through the Confucian period of time and the Warring States period, there was a lot of confusion then. But I don't think there would be as much anything like what it is now. No, I don't think so. So it's that's why it's imperative for people to contemplate these teachings, listen to this series, and dive deeper into this. So that you can free yourself from the handcuffs that you've put on yourself. You've enslaved yourself because of the culture around you. Yeah, our mind has been enslaved. Yeah. Mm. And you we have the to, key. It's in your pocket. We need to cut the chain. Yeah. Mm. The key is in your pocket. You just haven't reached into your pocket. Yeah. Because you're so bamboozled by the culture around you. Mm. And so you're hypnotized. Yes. Taoism is about getting you out of that insanity so that you can understand this and, and have ultimate freedom. 100%. Okay, guys. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.